Hi, and welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, and in today's solo episode, I'll be sharing about my ADHD and the process of being formally identified and how I use it as my superpower, especially in my business. Even if you don't have ADHD, you'll be able to hear insights about challenges that other people you know with ADHD may experience. You may even relate to some of my strengths and challenges that I navigate. Welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, wellness and organizational coach and yin and nidra yoga instructor. This podcast will help you create more time using organizational strategies so that you can start to simplify your life and prioritize your health. I'll be sharing conversations with other health and organizational experts and solo episodes with tips to help you simplify your life and prioritize your health. Thanks for joining me for today's solo episode. I'm going to be talking about my ADHD and the process of being formally identified. I'll be sharing some of my strengths and some of the challenges I've navigated over my lifetime. So the information I'm sharing is regards to myself and what I've learned in the process. It is not necessarily going to relate to you, even though you may have ADHD yourself. The end of 2021, I was formally identified as autistic and the psychologist did mention that I may have ADHD, but that would be a separate process that I would need to go through. I also have children who have ADHD, so the likelihood of myself or my husband or a family member having it is is really likely because it is hereditary. After listening to several podcasts, uh, Tracy Asuka, ADHD for Smart Ass Women, uh, My Lady ADHD, The Late Diagnosed Club, beautifully complex, and following lots of accounts on social media, I saw so many similarities in stories shared and self-identified back then, probably maybe two years ago myself. It wasn't until this year that I was actually formally identified through a process with a psychologist who specializes in ADHD diagnosis. I chose to go down that way and have a formal diagnosis for myself, also for my children, because they've both had their formal diagnosis as well. And you don't need to, like it's really a personal choice as to which way you go, whether you self-identify or you formally identify. I feel like I'm from a very privileged position to be able to do it because it is a very expensive process to do. And if you do it through a psychologist, you still cannot be medicated. You need to now be referred to a psychiatrist to actually get the medication. But what I felt by doing this process, that knowledge is power, and it's actually provided safety for me. And I can now work through the difficulties I've had, and it makes me understand the way that my brain works and the things that I do, rather than getting upset with myself and being really critical with myself, I now probably have a little bit more awareness and a definitely kinder in the way I talk to myself. So what is ADHD? It stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So it's a deficiency in the brain and it's like autism and it has a spectrum of symptoms and challenges that each individual may struggle with. So some of the things that I'll talk about, other people might go, oh, I don't have that problem. And I know for a fact that there's things 
things that other people struggle with, which I definitely don't have um, problems with, which is probably why I didn't see myself as having ADHD for a long period of time. I don't have an attention deficit at all. I actually struggle to move my focus away from something that is extremely interesting and I'm hyper-focused on. My thoughts go 100 miles a minute from the minute my eyes wake up to the minute I literally go to sleep. I love trying to connect ideas and solve problems, especially in people's homes and around organization. If I'm working on a podcast episode, for example, it actually takes a lot of time to put together a podcast and usually I'll hyper-focus and I will try to do a couple in a row rather than just one episode. If I have guests, I'll try and get those guests all within sort of a month of each other so that I can just hyper-focus on all the notes that need to be done and sharing the intros and everything else that goes together into putting a podcast together. I know that it takes a lot of time now to do that. And so when I have the time, I'll try and do it all at the one Uh, time rather than doing little bits in here because I know that I'll hyper-focus and then I'll run overtime and won't be there to pick my kids up from sport or whatever else it is or on the weekends it'll take up so much of my time. When I'm organising a space, I'm always thinking about what I can do to actually improve the space. I also love to ask lots of questions and I will use that hyper-focus to my advantage. So an example is a lady's sewing room, and I was helping her to work out the best way to store all of the different things. And with sewing rooms, there's lots of little parts. So I'm a micro-organizer, so I love to divide it up, but not everyone is. Some people are macro-organizers, so their cottons could be actually all together. But I was trying to work out whether this lady was a micro-organizer or a macro-organizer, and I was hyper-focused on how did she want these cottons to be stored? And that's when she turned around and said, I think you've got ADHD because you're so hyper-fixated on how I have this room set up according to how I'm going to use it, whereas she was just like wanting it organized. She didn't really care how it was, just wanted to know, wanted it so she could use it. And um Yes, we did get it in. I worked out she actually was a micro organizer. She just at that time didn't really have the capacity to sit and help me with it. She just wanted me to do it and um, and have this beautiful space for her to then use. So I prefer not to use the D for disorder as I try to see this as a strength or a superpower. Of course, it has some challenges, but I wouldn't change my brain and I use strategies to work around some of those problems. So neurodivergent brain is like a restaurant. And I've talked about this in my episode number 50 about autism and my formal identification of that. If you think of a restaurant and you're the waiter and the chef and the maitre d' and the kitchen hand in a neurodivergent brain, whereas a neurotypical brain, if that was the restaurant, they are able to allocate all of those jobs to everyone else to do. They're not trying to do it all by themselves. Another great analogy that I've heard of is that an ADHD brain is like having lots of minions and they're all saying 
do this and do this and do this and you're trying to do all of it. Or even think of if you're a teacher, a bunch of prep students on their first week in uh, at school and they're all trying to jump in and say their questions and answers and everything. For me, what has helped has been yoga and some herbal medications that I'm taking is helping the minions to line up and take their turns and have one at a time rather than all jumping in at the same time. It's a bit like preps. By term three, they're taking their turn. They're putting their hands up. They know the routine and it's a little bit more order. So these are two of the things that I'm trying and are working or have been working yoga I've been doing for about 20 years. So I didn't even know that that was why I was probably gravitating to it and what I was, it was helping me and my brain. I have so much energy from the minute I wake up in the morning. I've been described as a busy bee with a power pack on. I need to move all the time. I have always had multiple jobs throughout my life when I think back as a kid and most of them were always active. So I was a swim teacher when I was at university. I worked at McDonald's as well, as well as doing my university degree. Then I was a lifeguard as well as a PE teacher. Then I moved on to wellness coaching and yoga teacher. And then I moved into this professional organizing business and still teaching yoga. So it's not just having one job, but multiple jobs at the same time. I like to exercise every morning and it has helped my brain to get ready for the the day. And I have done this all my life. It also helps to slow down my thoughts, but it also gives me a boost to energy and a dopamine hit that I really need because ADHD brains can struggle with a lack of dopamine. So they like to get these hits of dopamine from maybe being active. I also get it from sugar is another one that I will rely on as well. I've learned that I was probably always living on adrenaline. The more I moved, the better I felt. Since having children, I then discovered burnout and I couldn't keep moving the way I was and doing the amount of things that I was doing. I discovered restorative yoga which I didn't think I'd actually enjoy. I was always doing vinyasa, fast flow. So I started doing yin yoga and it is exactly what I needed. I needed that yin part to my life as well as because I already had that yang that was covered. Another part was the yoga nidra that has also helped and was that missing element that helped to slow down my thoughts at nighttime and help me to sleep. I'd have trouble sleeping if I woke up in the night with a thought, I could stay awake ruminating on that thought. So yoga nidra has definitely helped that. And of course, I didn't just leave it at practicing yoga and practicing in yoga and nidra. I decided I would then go in and train in both of those types of yoga. And I've done several trainings over the past five years. It has definitely helped me be in the moment rather than thinking about the future or focusing on the past, which is something I did as a teenager, as a young kid, even early 20s before children. Yoga has helped me now to be more in the present moment, to bring my focus to my breath and just awareness to everything else around me and in my body. 
Professional organizing is also using my energy in a positive way. And I find it's using my strengths, my strengths around organization, that ability to see a bigger picture and make suggestions on things that we could move and ideas that come in to change a room to make it more functional. I was doing retreats and I found that they were very draining. As much as I loved them, being there with a group of women and sharing all these different elements that they could bring into their life to be more restorative and and connect to themselves, I also found I'd be extremely drained after doing this. So for the moment, I've put the retreats on hold. I'm not saying I'll never do them, but at the moment, I just need to step away and just focus on the professional organizing. I hit a wall at the end of most of my days. I can't remember nouns. I can't remember names. And my family are great at impersonating me when I'm exhausted. I'm not good at preserving my energy for later in the day. It's something that I'm working on and I'm getting a little bit better at. I now understand it and understand burnout. And obviously yoga has been helping me to bring that together as well as uh, kinesiology and some work with a psychologist has also helped me to understand a little bit more around that burnout. Impulsivity is something I probably struggle with. Having a lack of impulse control is both a strength but also a challenge. I could talk underwater, especially if it was something I'd love. Like if I look back at my reports, it says Honorelle was a great uh, student. She needs to, though, know when it's time to work and know when it's time to talk. Or Norelle needs to concentrate more and put her energy into her actual work rather than the conversations around her. I could talk underwater was something that I heard a lot when I was younger. I'd blurt out in conversations. And that was something that I have done all my life and definitely don't do it as much now. I would do it because it was... It wasn't to interrupt people, but it was like a worry that if I forgot what I said, that I wouldn't be showing my knowledge and my interest in the topic. And it was a bit like that imposter syndrome. By blurting it out, I could then say what was in my head because I knew it would not last and I wouldn't remember and be able to come back to it. Now I'm like, oh, well, if I can't remember it, I can't remember it. And I'm not so focused on making sure that people know that I was invested in the conversation and that my knowledge is shared. I don't take long to make decisions, which helps the majority of the time, but sometimes I'm not weighing up both sides or ruminating on things, which can be good. But yoga and kinesiology have helped me to connect with my gut feeling to question decisions and take a little bit longer rather than just saying yes straight away. I can get easily distracted and I can move from one task to another before finishing the one I was actually doing. So almost like that shiny object syndrome. When I see though that unfinished task, I can then refocus and usually finish it. So for example, if I was unpacking the groceries and I have something that needs to go into the laundry, the washing powder, and I take it in there and then I see, oh, the washing machine has finished and I might take that out and start hanging. But I might see something else I have not finished out there, like maybe planting a pot, repotting a plant. And so then I'll start doing that and maybe not finish hanging the washing out and bring the pot inside and then realize, oh, that's right, I was unpacking the groceries. And that would happen 
all the time and still does, but I'm very good at refocusing and continuing to finish that task. One thing I've noticed is I will read someone's text or an event and I won't read it properly. And I might answer before I've actually read it properly. I'm almost like my brain just misinterprets and finishes the sentence as to what I think it's going to be rather than reading it properly. And then not adding it into my calendar properly or responding just too quickly. So now what I do is to take my time. I don't do it unless I have time to read it, respond, put it in my diary. So I'll just leave it unopened if it's a text message or an email until I know that I have the time and space to actually do it. I also find my kids will open sometimes my text messages and that's when I won't remember to respond to them because I won't see that read. So it's a strategy I've been using that works generally okay for me as long as my kids don't open my messages on an iPad or on my phone. As a kid, I couldn't wait my turn. And as an adult, I struggle to wait. So for example, last week I went to the gym and I used my husband's keys and his battery was going flat. And when I came back to the car, I couldn't get it open. He was out on a run and I rang and he didn't answer. So I knew he'd gone out running. I thought, oh, I could walk home and that will take me 20 minutes. And he may be home, but he may not. And at least then I can at least get my shower in and start getting my food ready for breakfast before he gets home. I know other people would be like, oh, I just would have waited for 20 minutes and then rang him and got him to come and get you. But I can't wait and struggle with waiting and struggle with wasting time. My working memory, it's that part of your memory that stores the information initially. So it doesn't usually stay long. And for someone with ADHD, it's shorter and there's less amount of things can be stored. I think it says between five and six items. I would say two for me can start in my working memory. And we need working memory to be able to hold multiple pieces of information in your head, then organize and then use the information to direct the activity or answer a question. But mine is like a goldfish memory. I forget what I'm doing even what I'm saying. And that's why I use lists and reminders. I love that quickie sticky on my phone and reminders, the app on my phone as well. I won't remember people's names if you just said it to me. I definitely need to see it written down. And it's something that I've really struggled with with teaching. And one of my strategies that I would use was always get kids to write their name down on their tables so I could see them. And once I visually saw them, I could try little strategies of saying them to myself as I walked around the classroom and testing myself so I could try and remember it. I still struggle with that with people. So if I meet someone, I'm too busy then thinking about the conversation and what question I'm going to ask them rather than trying to remember their name and I will instantly forget their name. I think in pictures and never words, I have to write everything down and I did when I was at school and even now. And I'll take photos. So when I'm with a client and I need to remember something I need to do, I will take a photo and add it into my reminders with the thing that I need to purchase for them or do for them. For yoga routines, I like to use my pictures that I'll do when I'm making up a yoga routine to help me remember it. Obviously, I also do it so it then integrates into my body. My body then feels it. I forget all the time where I put my glasses, my keys. 
I have got some strategies for my keys. I have had a focus on my key and I would push that and find it, use my phone to then find my keys or use it to find my phone. Now I also make sure I always put my keys back on the hook and that way I know that that's where they are. The only part that then is a problem if my husband hasn't put his keys back and I've been known to then just leave with the ones that were on the hook, but actually I may have had his keys as well and I've taken both sets of keys. So it's definitely an ongoing problem that we need to work out some strategies around so that this doesn't happen all the time. Time management and time blindness are things that lots of people with ADHD struggle with. For me, time management means that I'm always trying to do one more thing. I'm probably trying to get that little adrenaline rush from doing one more thing before I have to go out. Generally, it's when I'm leaving and I'm going out on a weekend with my family. So my family have a running joke that I'm always last to get in the car because I'm doing one more job. I just find it so hard to wait and do nothing. It's a positive though because I'm extremely productive and jobs get finished in our house, but it's probably at the expense of my health at times. I just have to be really aware of when I'm doing this and why I'm doing it. When I'm in the kitchen, I'm always doing more than one thing. So while I'm waiting for the Thermomix to maybe mix something, I'll be cutting vegetables or prepping something else. I'm not generally standing there daydreaming or looking at my phone. I, I really don't enjoy scrolling my phone. I find, find it quite boring. And I do love to listen to podcasts more so these days because I really have a strong love of learning. So that helps me to do two things at the one time and keep me engaged with the activity that I'm doing. Plus, I also then get to learn something new. I wear a watch and check it when I'm working with clients. I try to use regular time slots for clients each day and that really helps. So, you know, I have a morning session usually around 9, 8.39 that I might start. Then I might have a lunch. So between sort of 11 to 12, I might have my next client. And then the afternoon, it might be two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I have another client if I don't have two big sessions with clients. And that also really helps me not be affected by that time blindness and time management. I do though underestimate how long tasks are going to take and schedule way more than I think I can do in one day just for myself. Now though, I look at trying to do things over a week. So I'll write down all the things I want to achieve and I'll then slowly slot them in throughout the week. I I think by having a visual calendar for me, I can now see, oh, there's an hour here. I could probably get three or four things done. I can get so much more done in, say, a one-hour time slot, whereas if I have a whole day that I would allocate to admin tasks, I won't be as productive. I'm definitely way more productive when I have that urgency where I've only got one hour to do something. The last area that I wanted to talk about was people-pleasing, imposter syndrome, and RSD. So RSD is rejection-sensitive dysphoria. I only heard of it uh, when my son showed signs of this, but I completely relate. It's that unbearable feeling when you receive rejection, criticism, judgment, and a sense of failure. He feels actual physical pain from it. I just will feel ruminating about those feelings 
as a kid, I'd use the people-pleasing and a perfectionist to protect myself against RSD feelings. I'd say yes to actually everything in the past, and that would lead to burnout because I was just trying to people-please. Now I'm more aware of my energy And through counselling and also kinesiology, I now understand my boundaries. I didn't know anything about boundaries uh, when I was uh, prior to children and even as my kids were young. Now, though, I check my diary and then I also ask myself a couple of questions like, do I have time? Do I want to do this? And is there a way that I can be involved, but maybe in a lesser capacity, because I don't have to be doing everything. I think it's the wisdom of yoga in a class has really helped at looking at these behaviors in a non-judgmental and also nurturing way. This is still an area, a work in progress. And I think it's something that will continue to come up throughout my life. So I hope by sharing my story, you can understand more about ADHD and how you can support others you may know. I'd love for you to share this with others who may find it useful or even leave a review. This helps others find the podcast. Thanks for listening to Simply Happy Conversations. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Simply Happy Conversation. If you'd like a clutter-free home and clear mental space to be able to focus and get stuff done, then join me for an introduction to yin yoga. These yin yoga shapes have been selected to balance your base and heart chakra so that you feel grounded, supported, accepted and connected and can reduce mental and physical clutter in your life. Get immediate access to the free short videos and take the first step towards a clutter-free home and mind. Head to simplyhappy.com.au in the resource section and start today. I'd like to acknowledge the Wadharong people of the Kulin Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of the land. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging.